Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Michael Bumpus back with me in studio. Gang's almost all here. Curtis Rogers now out today. But Bump, I'm happy to have you back. How was Cali? It was great. It was good. Played some golf. Yeah. The weather wasn't great for people who live in Cali. It was like 60. But so for me, that was still awesome. nice. That was yeah, awesome now me. you're so used to it. Now mm-hmm. you're like half Washington, where you yeah. went back out there and you were like, ah, oh, it's beautiful spring weather. It's awesome. But, <laughs> you know, we, we fly back. Before I hop on a plane, I hear about Derek Carr. Yeah. I get off a plane. Uh, uh-huh. My phone's blowing up. <laughs> we're talking Geno. So I was like, okay, home right in time. Did you get home and think like, what horrible disaster did I miss where I now have like 70 text messages and then you check it and they're like, wow, Geno to Seattle. What do you think, man? Legit, I had 150 text messages. Okay, we get it. You have friends. Stop bragging. No, I it's mean, unbecoming. A group, a group text. You know, people start going. It's <laughs> a wrap. Of course, of course. Well, let's get to it. Uh, the Seahawks and Geno Smith reached an agreement on a new deal. Now, let me actually start here. That being almost a year ago today. In fact, 364 days ago, we got some breaking news. Breaking news this via ESPN's Adam Schefter. After weeks of negotiations in one of the largest trades in NFL history, the Seattle Seahawks and Denver Broncos have agreed to terms for a deal involving Super Bowl winning quarterback Russell Wilson. Oh, that girl has such an annoying voice. Now, if I were to tell you that 364 days later, Bump, the Seahawks would be signing Geno Smith to a three-year, $105 million deal, and we'd be saying, hey, was that a bargain? Like, did they figure this out? What would you be thinking? I'd be thinking that the Hawks are extremely desperate for a quarterback, and that's all you have out there. There's no one attractive out there. You don't have any draft capital. You're just going to get somebody um, to fill a hole, and you're paying them a bit too much. Yeah, that's, that's, that would be my thought. That would be exactly my thought, too. I'd be like, oh, my God, what happened? Right. <laughs> does does Gino have blackmail over this organization? <laughs> like, what's going on? And instead, what we saw was Geno Smith playing his best football, and he wasted no time. This is his first touchdown of the season, week one against Denver. Marquise Goodwin is the slot back on the right side. Homer is in the backfield on third down and two. Here comes the blitz. Geno sidesteps it. Geno keeps moving. Geno throws. Wide open, Dixley. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. A flag is down, but Will Dixley is in the end zone. 38-yard Geno Smith. What a job he did avoiding the rush. Looked like it was dead to rights on the blitz and he just lofted it to Will Disley who was wide open. Geno was the talk of the NFL after that game. Everyone thought that the Denver Broncos who were one of the Super Bowl favorites, I mean there were people that had them winning the AFC West over the Chiefs. Everyone looked at Denver and said, that defense is so good. Russell Wilson, all his weapons, he knows Seattle well. Seattle doesn't stand a chance. This is going to be just, they're going to mop the floor with the Seahawks. Yeah, people were saying, why would you schedule? Man, the NFL is so messed up, oh, man. man. Thursday night football, you got Russell Wilson coming into town. What's Geno going to do and what does he do? And then he gives us one of the quotes of the year after the game. You know what? They write me off, but I didn't write back something yeah. like that oh. after the win, too. So Quote it, was, uh, it was a great start, man. Great start for Gino. And that kind of that made me pay a, a bit more attention. Now, obviously, I watch the games and I do what I do for the Seahawks. But that game, he goes 23, 28, mm-hmm. 195 and two touchdowns, sacked twice. And I go, all right, he looks efficient. Let me let me see if he can do it next week. And it seemed like every week for about 
six, seven weeks, he got better and better. Now, we are going to talk about what went right, what went wrong for Gino. But right now, for just the Open, guys, I want to talk about just the deal. Is it a good deal? And then we have some new contract uh, deal or contract details information this morning. So I'm just getting everyone caught up with it. We'll get Bump's reaction since it's your first time, uh, first day back here. Um, and then we'll jump into all kinds of conversations because there is a lot to get to when it comes to this deal and when it comes to this team. Uh, first, though, we heard from Jordan Schultz. Jordan Schultz uh, broke the news of Gino's signing. He offered some additional information, some background information about that process and Gino's process specifically as a pending free agent. On with Wyman and Bob. One of the teams that stood out was the Jets. Um, I know they, they kicked the tires on it, but Gino really wanted to stay in Seattle. Um, and when I talked to him throughout the process, it was it was how, how do I find a way that both the Seahawks and me feel comfortable because ultimately this is where I want to be. So I think other teams knew that I know the Jets were interested. There, there was there were other bites. You know, obviously teams that need quarterback. You know, checked in, but ultimately it was really the Seahawks, and and that was the that was the team he wanted to be at. And I think the rest of the league knew that. So great. I mean, Pete Carroll wants him here. John Schneider wants him here. Gino wants to be here. And we also found out some new contract information. Bump, let me fill you in on this one, and then hear some of your reaction to these numbers. Because yesterday, okay, we heard. Hey, three years, 105 million, up to 52 million in year one. And it was like, oh, okay, 35, mm. fine. We knew it would probably be higher than the franchise tag cost of 32.4. How are we feeling about 35? Let's see what the cap hit is. Mike Garofolo earlier this morning said that Geno's deal has a base value actually of just 25 million per season. So three years, $75 million contract essentially. Then it has 40 million fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, that is not immediately against the cap. So this is, this doesn't mean it's like 40 against the cap or even 25 against the cap. It just means average annual value is a lot closer to 25 million than 35. Smith is going to earn 28 million in the first year of the deal. And then he has 30 million in incentives. What do you make of this deal now that we have those numbers? I'll give you my first reaction. Yes. 35. I land, I see 35 mil, 52, maybe that first calendar year, 105. And I'm thinking the text lines are going to go nuts right now. <laughs> They're going to say $35 million is way too much money. You're comparing it to Derek Carr. Even Derek Carr, you get more um, more information about his deal and you realize the numbers are changed as well. So initially I go, ah, 35, that's a bit too high for me. I was thinking, you know, franchise 32. Yeah. But my real number was like 25, 230. But I also realized, like, okay, this is how I'm thinking when I see that 35 number, that they have a connection. They believe in Gino. Gino wants to be here. There are probably some bidders out there, and they say, look, you got to hit this number. So then when I wake up this morning and we get more details, Mm -hmm. I see the 25, I go, okay, I feel a bit better about that because now you automatically assume there's money to play with. You can go yeah. and find yourself some guys. And then, like you mentioned, the signing bonus for $40 million, then you realize, okay, that's not going to be a big, the complete cap hit in mm-hmm. 2023. They're moving money around. I'm thinking, their account is getting busy right now. All right, 25, 40 mil. You're not going to get that cap hit this first year. All right, who can we get now? And I, go, I get exactly. right to the next move. And we are going to talk about some of those next moves because, uh, frankly, they have to make some. So we're going to get to that. Coming up at 1030, we're going to talk about what the deal means for the defense and cap flexibility. I will let you know right now. <clears throat> 
Unless I see it come across my timeline. I haven't heard about an exact cap hit for mm-hmm. this year. We know that he has $25 million average annual value. That doesn't mean it's $25 million every year, nor do we know it's $28 million this year. Uh, it also doesn't mean the cap hit is exactly that. The cap hit could be lower. So right. we will keep an eye out for that, but we're going to talk about what the next moves are coming up at 1030. Uh, let's just stick with Gino for just a minute here. So those are the new contract details that emerged. You and I figure it's a pretty good deal. And I'll, I'll kind of say this to man I know that we have other stuff to get to we're going to talk about like hey can the Seahawks win a Super Bowl with Gino can you still add defense with Gino but like without sounding patronizing or simplifying this good for Gino this is an amazing story an amazing story and it paid off for him whether or not you agree with this deal whether or not you wanted to see Drew Locke here and not Gino whether or not you wanted to see them take a quarterback at five which I would not rule out we'll get to that later Mm -hmm. Good for Gino. It is good for Gino. There was a point in his career when he thought it was over for himself. You know, you get your shot over there with the Jets, it doesn't work out. Then you make moves, you bounce around, you back up a few future Hall of Famers, and you go, where do I go? And you get here to Seattle, and Pete Carroll takes a chance on you and gives you a chance to just develop and really change the way that we view him. Because going in, when Gino was signed to the Seahawks initially, I go, all right, well, just another backup quarterback. We'll see what happens. Then Russell goes down. Gino gets, what, three? or four stars. He looks okay. Wins a game. Beats the Jacksonville Jaguars on Halloween, I believe. Not a big win, but you're saying, all right, there's something there. If Russell were to go down again, you'll be okay. And people got to realize just the mental gymnastics he's doing with himself. Because forget what you think about Geno before this past year. As an athlete, he was the best in his area. He was one of the best in college. Yeah. You get drafted. Boom. You think you're going to play 10 years as a starter in a and spot. And you're in New York, by you're, the way. So you're drafted in the spotlights immediately. Drafted in the spotlight. You think things are going to work out for you. And within, what, two or three years, things are changing. Yep. And now you got to stay in the fight. you got to stay in the NFL and show up every day for six years. Not thinking. $17 million he got over his career. My man just got paid right now. So just the mental toughness he had to stay in it to stay confident, which I'm sure he had his dark days, and put himself in this position. Yeah, like you said, it's a great story. No matter if you believe and uh, if you agree with how much they paid this man or not, yeah. like you said, it's a good story. Well, and that's the thing. I know to, you know the average person, they're like, $17 million over nine years, I'd love to do that. Yeah, well, he's also playing a position where people earn uh, you know, four or five times as much, uh, and he also performed really well for this team, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the second half. We're going to talk about kind of the good and bad of Gino, any kind of ceiling that this pits on the team or any kind of potential it gives the team too, right? There's also some good here. Um, but whatever criticism you have, uh, he plays a position that is typically worth a lot of money and he outperformed his contract. He signed a one-year, $3.5 million deal back in March. He ended up getting up to $7 million after all those incentives, but one-year, $3.5 million back in March. He ended up being a pro bowler. He set four new franchise records for you. Right. He was uh, top eight in total passing yards, fourth in touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like uh, number one in completion percentage, led the league in completion percentage and set a new franchise record. Like, you know, I've kind of heard these critiques of like, oh, I thought Gino was kind of boring or like, oh, I don't know if Gino's like the best ever. Gino was by most measures a top five, six, seven quarterback in the NFL this year and did it for a fraction of the cost as every other name in that group. And yes, that includes rookies because if you have like a Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's not not getting 3.5 million per year, even as a rookie. Top five, six, seven, and which a lot of you guys are going to, or a lot of Texas have pointed out, 
there were games where he struggled a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I think his last 11 games, he threw seven interceptions, and that's what people are going to point at. Geno says it himself, look, I was just trying to make some plays. And as a quarterback, you're trying to fit it into a little window. Things like that are going to happen, but it's about how you respond after that. And he would throw some interceptions and still keep them in the game. So there's no denying you have to compare what Geno did to other quarterbacks in the league, right? So if he had the season that he had and he's a top 10 quarterback in the league, he should probably get paid like a top 10 quarterback. You can't say, oh, I just I just don't like the way he played the second half of the season. Um, I'm going to exclude him from the top 10 quarterback talk. You can't do that. It's a performance-based business. You got the numbers right there in front of yeah. you. You might not have liked moments in the game. And uh, you can say that about any quarterback, honestly. But fact of the matter is, my guy balled out. I'll play this contract, earn this one. Um, but 25, I like that number a lot better well, than 35. I completely agree. And what are the things, though, that we always say about players, right? Like, um, I remember when Bobby Wagner was not looking like a first-team All-Pro. He was looking like a pro bowler, just, you know, like a yeah. big slump. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he, he wasn't looking like his very, very best self. He was still one of their better defensive players. But people were like, okay, is this version of Bobby Wagner, who's a very good starter but not, like, you know, one of the best players in football, is this version of Bobby worth $18, 19000000 mm-hmm. per year? Mm-hmm. And I remember... Remember, the argument was always, well, it's a what have you done for me lately league. That feels to be something we only say when we want to take money away from a player. What about when you want to give money to a player? Uh, what have you done for me lately, League? Well, lately, Geno's outperformed guys that he's now getting paid, you know, around as much as Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. Like, all of these guys are in the same tier. Geno's not a top five paid quarterback right now. He's 10 at or around, you know, maybe a little outside of it. So, what have you done for me lately is played a lot better than those guys. Yeah, you, you played a lot better. You played better than your competition. And isn't, isn't that the uh, idea of sports? Outplay your competition. It's a team sport, but end of the day, if you are a quarterback, you want to be mentioned as one of the best in the game. I'm not going to put him in the top five and say, look, he's up there with Josh and Burrow and Pat Mahomes or whatnot. No, he's in a different place in his career, man. So um, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he got his money. Now... He has to answer a bunch of other questions. We're going to get to those questions later on the show, but it don't stop here. You're just getting going. Now we've got to back this up. We absolutely do. Uh, What's next for the Seahawks? What's next for Geno? Can you win a Super Bowl with Geno? What's Geno's ceiling? What about cap flexibility? All of these questions, like Bump just said, coming your way. We're going to start with what Geno's deal means for the defense and cap flexibility coming up in 15 minutes. Right now, though, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. The Ravens had said talks with Lamar Jackson will go down to Tuesday's franchise tag deadline. What's the real headline? The Ravens having a hard time with an easy decision. Now, the deadline is 1 p.m. Pacific for the franchise tag. Ravens GM Ozzie Newsom told the Bernie Kosar show that they'll be working on it until 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, 12.30 p.m. Pacific. They're going to place the franchise tag on Lamar if they don't come to a new deal. He's been in talks with a new deal for over 25 months. Stressful. But here's the thing. I know a lot of these players want to eliminate the middleman when it comes to an agent, but what the agent does, it it allows even more transparent conversation to go down. 
because I don't think the Ravens are just going to look at Lamar and tell him everything he's horrible at and why they shouldn't pay him. I think that's one of the reasons why this thing is being drawn out. And I'm not sure how many contracts Lamar has negotiated himself, but he's learning on the job as well. I hope it works out for the dude. But I look at that situation and I go, man, if he had an agent, I think they might be able to come to terms quicker. I think the agent speaks that language a bit more. I'm sure Lamar's a sharp dude. He's learning on the job. But um, 25 months is way too long. Well, and while any agent would love as much guaranteed money as possible because it means more money in their pocket, I think that even agents aren't as passionate about guaranteed money as is the players' union. Lamar's working with the players' union as a player who's representing himself. So the players' union's very interested in Lamar getting as much guaranteed money as possible because what's good for him is good for all players. So I think that's also a factor here. You can't look past the fact that the NFLPA has been advising Lamar, working with Lamar. I'm sure that they also are pretty adamant about guaranteed money, as they should be. That's not a knock on the NFLPA, but I think that that's a factor in why some of this is stalled. Also, in my opinion, Bump, a factor is that the Ravens aren't fully recognizing how good they are with Lamar. I think that they, like a lot of fans, are looking at Lamar as, well, he can get hurt. Uh, You know, oh, can he be a true passer? Not recognizing that this team's record with Lamar drastically better than their record without Lamar. Not only that, but you traded away some of his best weapons and a lot of quarterbacks get hurt. Hey, Lamar, do better. We're trading away some weapons. Yeah. Um, we're afraid you're going to get hurt, but we put you in a position to get hurt. Exactly. Sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone. Hopefully it doesn't get to that. I think there's enough there for them to mend this thing. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long 25 months for this. Headline rewrites. Trey Wingo reports the Jets and Aaron Rodgers spoke on Monday and Rodgers is open to the idea of going to the Jets. It's the real headline. We are open to the idea of Rodgers in a New York media market. I love that. All for it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, it feels like I hate on him for no reason. I recognize Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented quarterbacks I have ever personally seen play um, and that I will probably ever see. He's phenomenal. I mean, you can have a knock on like, oh, he's only won one Super Bowl. Uh, You know, like even Patrick Mahomes is one more and he's younger. It doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers is clearly talented and has four MVPs to his name for a reason. And I don't even think all of those are with Devontae Adams. Like he's he is a reason, the reason the Packers have been as good as they have been. However, my knock on Aaron Rodgers while recognizing his greatness is that Aaron Rodgers creates a lot of the narratives about himself and then complains about those narratives. And it is one of the most annoying things to see someone be so vague, so up in the air, uh, very intentionally kind of um, cagey and then and then kind of complain about it and then complain about the coverage and complain about people creating non-stories. Aaron, you are a four-time MVP. You are a franchise quarterback. You are one of the most famous people in sports and in, in football. You taking time to make a decision about whether or not you're going to be with a franchise that you've spent the entirety of your career with is news. Whether you like it or not, stop pretending it's not. Yeah, but that's just the world he lives in. There's no one to really hold him accountable, or at least he just doesn't listen to him. But when you've had the success that he's had, doing it the way that he does it, I mean, can anybody really say something to him? You just can't complain about the stuff that you bring on to yourself. So I've come to terms with Aaron Rodgers. I will just accept him for who he is. and He's going to drag things out. He's going to make it dramatic. But there's also nobody playing football right now with four MVPs. Now, there's a couple dudes with more Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. That should be your goal. But when you have reached a level Aaron Rodgers is at, I mean, he, why would he change? He goes, I've done it this way. My whole life is working out for me. It is what it is. Headline Rewrites. 
Colorado police are investigating Grizzly star John Morant after an Instagram live video oh. showed him displaying what looked like a gun at a nightclub. What's the real headline? Play stupid games. That's the real headline. Uh, John Morant indefinitely benched from the team right now. Uh, that news was confirmed Sunday. He had this gun, what looked like a gun, uh, at a nightclub. The NBA is conducting the investigation. Um, so it looked initially like it would be like a brief, even like suspension or benching. Maybe it could be more than that. I think the hardest thing for a lot of people is seeing his superstardom and talent and potential as a young player in this league be hurt by him, his own actions because this is just one of many there was also like showing up to the mall uh, and like getting into a fight with a 17 year old there was Crazy. an issue with a mall security guard and there's a lot of I, I don't know if you said this or if Curtis said this there's a lot of punching down with Ja right now yeah and you know what I heard I think I heard Jalen Rose speak on this and I also heard um, Shannon Sharp speak on this and they kind of have the same message and I agree with them yeah he is the leader of his family now like you can be the youngest dude. I'm sure you got some some OG uncles, mm-hmm. grandpa out there. You got his dad as well. But when you are making the money he is making, you are the leader of this family. Now it's up to you to make better decisions. You don't have the same type of guidance or the same influence because of just where you are in your tax bracket. And he apologizes. He says, "Look, man, I'm in a, a a weird place right now. I have to do better." So hopefully he realizes this and learns from this before it becomes a bigger issue. But not a good look for him. Not a good look for his family, for his team. Um, people make mistakes. It's all about how you bounce back from it. But uh, not looking good for the young man. It's not looking good. I would advise him to stop doing this. I know. And we've kind of had this conversation when, God, who was it that had a gun? And we were like, why do you, what are you doing? But um, Paul Pierce has defended John Morant. Uh, He said, quote, when you're black and rich, you're a target. So saying like that, you know, Morant's very intentionally showing like this kind of like, you know, protecting himself vibe. However, however, while I understand the sentiment behind that or the sentiment behind like being wealthy and being out, right? And being like, am I going to get robbed? Like a lot of what he's doing isn't that. What you're doing is you're going to like a front line at the mall and getting into a fight with a teenager. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this isn't you're you're flashing this at a club to like brag. This isn't about defending yourself or being safe. No, you know what this you do? This is about clout. You get your concealed uh, permit. You yeah, keep it like on you. You put it in person. your car, and if someone runs up on you, then you can defend yourself. But flashing it like that and not not yeah, the it's way. Not the move. As it's the opposite of the Mandalorian. It is not the way. Uh, all right, we have a lot to get to with Gino. I've seen some people saying, should they still take a quarterback? I mean, a quarterback as high as five, even we're going to get to that at 1045. You're going to want to hear the sound from uh, from Pete Carroll that we heard from the combine. Uh, Brady Henderson was on with Wyman and Bob yesterday and talked about that possibility. So that conversation coming up at 1045. Bob Condota of the Seattle Times is going to tell us the latest he's hearing about this contract. Let's see if we maybe have some cap hit information by then. That's coming your way at 11. First, though, what's Geno's deal mean for the defense and the ability to make that side of the ball better in free agency? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. What does Geno's deal mean for the Seahawks' defense and cap flexibility? I'm going to be up front. Uh, none of us entirely know the answer yet. We knew that the Seahawks had the eighth most cap space uh, before making this deal. This is not effective cap space, meaning that the available cap that they had from over the cap, which is around $22, 23000000 million, doesn't account for how having all players on the roster. I think they have like 50 accounted for, 49 or 50, as opposed to the 
full roster. Uh, it also doesn't account for money spent on draft picks. So right. when I say, oh, they have $23 million to spend, it's not $23 million to spend purely on new outside free agents. However, even when you look at effective cap space, where it's all just projected, they've still got like the eighth or ninth most cap space. So a good portion to spend. We will see what Gino will account for. Um, I'll start with an, with an obvious question. We know that they're still going to have to make some cap moves. Does this limit them from adding on defense? How much does it limit them? Are there names it takes off? I don't think it limits them. <clears throat> now, they still got some work to do. Yes. Right? They still got to uh, make this thing even a bit more attractive. But you're right. They're number eight right now with around $23 million. I think it allows them... now. It allows you to go out and entertain a big name during this offseason. Right? But it also, what I wanted for them, I wanted them to sign Geno, and then I wanted them to have money the bank to at least go after a big name. And then you get some role players. It's not realistic to go get you two guys on defense that are going to uh, ask for 18 to 20 million apiece. That's not realistic. That's why you only have, I think we did the list, or like six guys on the Seahawks roster that was getting about 15 million or more a year everyone else is in the million dollar range Mm -hmm. or below that that's just how cap works and how teams decide to pay their players so no it allows you to go and throw a number at somebody but it also makes you go and cut some of these guys that you might have depended on last year yeah and again um I'm not like advocating for anyone to be cut I will let you know that there are a number of veterans that have Double-digit cap hits that the team may look at. Now, the four highest cap hits aren't going anywhere. Uh, It's your two safeties, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and your two top wide receivers with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. However, also accounting for at least 5% of the cap, um, so double-digit, about 10 or more million, you've got Shelby Harris, Gabe Jackson. Gabe Jackson actually restructured his deal uh, back in the fall to allow for an extra like 1.5 or 2 million uh, Mm -hmm. available that the Seahawks ended up utilizing. So at the time it was a good decision for them to restructure some of that TBD, whether they're going to restructure any of these deals, but like, you know, Shelby Harris with, uh, you know, 11 plus million Gabe Jackson with, you know, 10, 11 plus million. I think these are names that this team's going to look at and figure out. Can we work out a new number with these guys? Maybe not. That's just kind of my offhand guess, given that they probably want to get younger, uh, on the defensive line. And also that, um, you know, they they may want to try to save as much money as possible. The offensive line, they rotated Gabe with Phil Haynes, mm-hmm. who was re-signed. So, again, um, there are names and contracts that this team is going to look at that, it, that are going to alter the cap space they have available in ways we don't know yet. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the tough part of this business because now you're looking at those numbers. You mentioned Shelby, you mentioned Gabe, and you're like, okay, what are they going to do? Are those guys willing to restructure to help the organization? Here's the business part of that thing. If I'm one of these players and I'm in my 30s yeah. and I know I don't have that that many years left, if you guys are going to give me my money, I'm, let me go and I might go find it yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, you're going to change else. it into a bonus yeah. or if you're going to just do it anyway, then I'll go somewhere. Exactly, I'll go somewhere else. So th- these are the tough conversations, but real ones that need to be had. I mean, I mean, you look at Shelby Harris, man, he had a decent year last year. I think six and a half sacks or something like that. Um, you look at Gabe Jackson, he pretty much two platoon with Phil Haynes later on in the season, trying to keep him healthy. We'll see what his body looks like. He has to go through his physicals and see where he's at. So not only do the Seahawks have to make tough decisions as athletes, they got to make it as well. Do I want to be here? Do I want to take a pay cut? How's my body feeling? What type of role do I want to have? 
Gino was the first domino to fall, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to find out real quickly what else is going to happen with the Seahawks and throughout the league. At what, 1 o'clock today, yeah. uh, the franchise tax needs to be hit. Then after that, we wait another week. Boom, March 15th, free agency starts. So it's going to start happening pretty quickly. And then once we see some of the moves that they do make, where if it comes to keeping or letting guys go, then that'll give us a better idea of how we think they're going to attack the draft as well. Well, and speaking of, I will say, if we were looking at priorities for the offseason and what comes next, if priority number one for the Seahawks was figuring out the quarterback situation. Just figure out what you want to do. If you don't want to keep Geno, it's not like you have a shot at number five early. You have to wait until the draft, but you've made that decision, right? That is the number one thing you have to do. Figure it out, make a decision when it comes to quarterback. The number two thing would be to figure out this defense, fix the defense. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you got to wait until the start of free agency or certainly the legal tampering period, which starts March uh, 13th. Um, You've got to wait until you get to the draft, but that is the next priority. When you talk about what's next, And, you know, what do you do when it comes to fixing this team after quarterback? It's defense. And I think Geno's, again, we're waiting to see the cap number, but Bump, I think that Geno's deal is more team-friendly than a lot of people thought it would be and does still give you the flexibility to, do you, do you need to add a Javon Hargrave? Do you want to, uh, you know, find a veteran interior linebacker from mm-hmm. a couple of guys that are available? Like, th- those are the two spots that you're going to need to add. Yeah, it's team-friendly. It's lucrative at the same time for Geno, especially if you look at what he did. But it also, or what he's done in, uh, in, the, in his past career, $17 million over, what, eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. But it also gives Geno the flexibility to still bet on himself because a bunch of incentives. And the team, the flexibility to change course if things don't look good after a year or a year or two. So I think this was the best deal for both people. It was a respectful deal. Who knows if Gino could have gone out there and find and found some more money. I think that he said he wants to be here. The Hawks said he, they want to make sure that he's here, but they both also know where he is in his career. And he goes, "All right, man, just give me some give me some upfront. Let me bet on myself again. I'm I'm probably going to pull around 28 million dollars this year, the most money I've ever had in my life." But I also realize you guys have the number 5 pick. You might want to do something with that number 5 pick when it comes to quarterback and allow him to develop behind me. But again, let me go out there and prove to you again that I'm worth being here for two or three more years. What do you make of the take that, yes, having Geno Smith or any veteran that you're paying uh, money to, and this is, I should add that uh, it would, a draft pick high first round would also be expensive. So I should just say, like, spending money at quarterback when you were previously spending $3.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, it does limit you when it comes to adding to changes defense. Things. It changes things. So, like, you have to be honest about it. But in terms of what it means for cap flexibility, you have less cap flexibility. But I also don't think it means you can't improve the defense. I reject the narrative and reject the idea that it is either Geno or the defense. No, you can still make some moves. <clears throat> this is this is where you rely on your scouting department, right? <laughs> you allow on these guys searching the NFL for free agents, looking at film, getting ready for this draft, and try to find some pieces that are going to help you out for two to three. That's how I look at football teams and when they add players and make a lot of moves, I go, okay, this is going to work out for two to three years. That's the average career of an NFL player. That's pretty much your window unless you are Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. They've, Tom Brady did it for 20. Pat Mahomes has been relevant for five or six years right now, uh, mainly because of Mahomes and his talent. But I think that's the way you have to look at it. So I look at that two to three year contract and I go, yeah, all right, that that makes sense. Now, go find something else on defense that can work for two to three. In four down territory, I got a guy right now that I'm like, look, if you were 
don't want to go super expensive on that defensive line, but you don't want to go really cheap, mm-hmm. go with a guy who has proven himself in this league, I got a name for you. Those are the type of dudes that they're looking for. You got the big name, but then you got the guys who are on their second contract who have shown the potential that maybe in year four, five, or six, they can take it to the next level. Uh, all right. Don't forget, you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts. If you're using any of these, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, I am personally using Apple Podcasts to track our reviews, so I would very much appreciate it if you also use Apple Podcasts, if you would leave a review for us. But if you enjoy the show and you want to get this stuff uh, available on your phone quickly after the show so that you don't miss a second of it and you can see all the interviews and you can see everything we've covered, including guests, then make sure you are subscribed. Um, We had a new review that claims uh, Bump 5... They say uh, Bump uh, Curtis covers... Uh, the man bump five star show all day. Also, Stacy cried on air, so I'm obliged to rate five stars. I've never cried on air. Never. Never. <laughs> I've never That's seen so it. So rude. <laughs> thank you for your five stars. Anyways, we would we would appreciate it. Thank you so much to everyone who's left one, and thank you for taking the time. Uh, you were just talking about, hey, what do they do at five? Um, you know, is a quarterback still in play? That's exactly the question we're going to get to. We heard from Pete Carroll at the combine uh, and from John Schneider, who were asked, hey. If you have Gino here and you resign him at the time it was a hypothetical, would you still take a quarterback? We'll tell you their answer and also whether or not they should still take a quarterback at five next. Bump and Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Do you ever hear Mora's remake to this? Stop. Yeah. Drop. Drop. <laughs> Shut him down. Open up. Shop. Brady, can you see if you could find that? I'll give it I a remember, look. I remember we played it. Uh, we A bunch of us from work went on like a boat. Like we rented a boat and we were out on Lake Washington. And we were blasting Morris' version of it on our speakers. <laughs> it's just enjoying the summer sunshine. Uh, the Seahawks are still going to draft. I don't know if you guys knew that. The draft is coming up late April. Do you know the John Schneider show, by the way, is going to be airing the day of the draft? He's going to tell us everything they're going to do. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> now it'll be really, really cool to get that insight, though, a couple hours ahead of it. Uh, they are still drafting at five overall. And what we're wondering is whether or not they might take a quarterback there. I will say none of us were very seriously talking about a quarterback at five, knowing all the help this defense needed. However, since then, a couple things have changed. Right. You've had uh, you. You've fallen in love with Anthony Richardson. Now, I don't know if he's going to go at five, but he had a great combine. We haven't even had a chance to talk about it yet. Mm hmm. Um, and then you had uh, both John and Pete talking about it. So uh, let's get to um, Pete Carroll first. This is Pete Carroll asked about taking a quarterback at five. We we are totally connected to the quarterbacks that are coming out. Um, this is a really huge opportunity for us. Uh, it's a rare opportunity. We, you know, we've been drafting in the low 20s for such a long time, you just don't get the chance with these guys. So we're deeply involved with all that. Okay, we're deeply involved with the search for a quarterback. Uh, John Schneider spoke later in the day, Bump, and was asked, hey, if you guys, you know, why would you pay Geno and then still potentially draft a quarterback? And he said, they don't grow on trees. Simple. Keep it simple. You need it. You want to... um, You want to build something. This is the the position that Geno's in. He's in a position to help 
rebuild this team. Last year, we thought it was going to be rebuild. It was like a retool, re-something. Put a re in front of it. That's what it was, okay? Now, he's in a position to continue to drive this team, knowing that he's in his early 30s, knowing that that window isn't that big. But you're always going to need a quarterback to put yourself in position to win games. That's why he signed you. Know, he's making his $28 million coming up this year because you need a quarterback to sustain your play. Um, so now you're in a position where... You need. You still need a quarterback. Drew Locke isn't signed. We'll see what's going to happen there. My hopes for Drew Locke is that somebody wants him and he goes and makes more money and gets mm-hmm. an opportunity to play because he, he's not going to get it here. Gino just signed. He's good to go. Um, so the the tease is now: what do you do with that number five? Spot in me, I have fallen in love with Anthony Richardson. I've watched the film, he is inaccurate. You played yourself 59% completion rate, 17 touchdowns, Only nine interceptions. A starter. It could have been better than Only that. Only one year, but I'm just saying the thing that, that gets me 80 yard touchdown on the ground, 60 yard touchdown on the ground, throwing bombs. So you see the potential. Then you look at what just happened with Gino and you, and you say, Okay, he doesn't need to play right now. Mm-hmm. What if you could just develop him? That's the that's kind of the short term and the long term at the same time. But we know what we need right now, and those are big boys on that line, man. So as attractive as Anthony Richardson is, I see the potential in this young man. It's all a gamble anyway. Um, Levis looked good as well. I was talking about Levis, how I didn't like him. He looked good in a tight shirt and some shorts, throwing the ball all across the yard. They look good. That's why the combine messes you up. But you have to be able to take the combine for what it is, digest it, and say, okay, but what does this team really need right now? And you still have some picks where you can draft a quarterback and try to develop them and hopefully take over for Gino. I think kind of that's the, what you know drafting or excuse me what uh, re-signing Gino has done for you is do you take a quarterback at five? Probably not. You're probably still with the initial plan to go defense. Uh, however, it doesn't eliminate taking a quarterback at all. What it probably does is you know make it to where okay you're not taking Stroud, you're not taking Anthony Richardson, you're taking someone in you know later rounds. Or maybe even like a day two pick in the second or third round. But yeah. I don't know if they have a third round pick. Either way, they have four picks in the first two rounds. Um, but you need to make this defense better. Bump, I will say this. I A lot of people have uh, looked at history as an example of whether or not the Seahawks could take a quarterback at five overall or mm. even with um, their later first round pick. And I will say... While there is an example of the Seahawks signing a quarterback in free agency on actually a three-year deal with Matt Flynn and then drafting Russell Wilson, I don't see it as a fair comp. However, what it taught us, for myriad reasons, Geno's significantly better than Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson was a day two pick as opposed to a number five overall pick. Mm -hmm. However, what it taught us is that if John and Pete like a guy a lot, they don't care what you think. They'll take him. And you can say that with the also the three trades they've made for those first round picks with Percy Harvin, Jimmy Graham, and Jamal Adams. If they like a guy, doesn't matter what you think. Yeah, that's the wild card. They got that uh, that Uno wild card plus a draw four and saying we don't care. We're gonna do exactly what we want to do. So that's what makes that's what keeps that number five um, possibility of drafting a quarterback there in play. Because you never really know what they're going to do. Um, I agree with uh, one, of the, one of our texts. It says, it sounds like Pete and uh, Johnny. Clock and solve. Now, every. Uh, Bump and Stakes show. <laughs> oh, I have a reminder. You listen to the Bump and Stakes. <laughs> they're, uh, they're driving up the price to see, you know, what's the highest bidder going to do? Do you want this number five pick? Because we just got our quarterback. We don't necessarily need one, but we're going to plant the seed that we might take one because we're connected to this thing. Um, it's all gamesmanship, but that's a great point. 
they're going to do what they want to do. Yeah. If they want Richardson at five, they want Levis at five, they want uh, someone else we never heard of at five, they're going to do that. But I, I firmly believe, I think they're going to they're gonna trade that pick. I think they're going to trade it for more. They're going to back up a little bit. There's teams behind them that won a quarterback. You think they're going to back up and still go defense, though, with their first pick, yeah, whenever it is? I do. I think so. I mean, I frankly hope so. Like, I am... Um, I am jealous of teams that have young, exciting quarterbacks because it is very fun to try to figure out who someone's going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of the most fun things in football. There are a lot of things that are really fun about sports, but uh, whether it's football, whether it's anywhere, to figure out how good a young star can be is really fun to watch. And I've been envious of teams like Cincinnati or Kansas City um, or like what's Jacksonville going to do that have or I mean, even the Chargers, though, I would never say I'm jealous of the Chargers. They're unfortunately just really tough time for a lot of those (laughs) fans. But uh, they have all these young, exciting quarterbacks. And I'm kind of jealous watching. On the other hand, bump, I I want more more than I want to see that. I want to see this defense not make me pull my hair out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd love to see a good defense. You want to see a defense that can make up for the inevitable, which are mistakes that a quarterback is going to make throughout a season. You don't want to see your quarterback make a mistake and be like, dang, it's a wrap. Because we don't know what this defense is going to be able to do consistently. I always point out the individuals that balled out on this defense because Ochenna had a good year, Tariq, uh, Quandre. You can always point out to individuals, but this is a team game. You got to move together. You want a defense that's going to have your quarterbacks back. And I think that if Geno is supported correctly, he can look to his defense, and when they tell him, we got you, he can believe in it, then I think you're going to win a few more ball games this year because you got everybody coming back on offense, at least at the skill spot. You're still, mm-hmm. still trying to see what's going on with that offensive line, but you got everyone coming back, and the buy-in, I assume, is going to be even more now that guys have seen Geno put a year together and know he's going to be there. He's their guy. It changes the dynamics of things. So, yeah, you want you want your quarterback to be supported. That's your job now. Support your quarterback the best way you can. All right. Well, the offseason isn't stopping, and neither are the Seahawks. So what's next for Seattle's front office? And also, how good can Geno be in 2023? Let's ask an expert who knows this team well. Bob Condota of the Seattle Times joins us next. Oh, no. That's a Rough Riders roll.